absolutely intercultural. Absolutely intercultural. Absolutely intercultural. Absolutely intercultural. Imagine the future. What do you see? I think I could safely bet a lot of money that what you're seeing now in your mind involves high-tech humanoid robots and metallic high-rise cities. Can we be more imaginative about the future? And how do you see your personal future? Welcome to show 291 of Absolutely Intercultural, coming to you from Denmark. My name's Anne Fox, and in this show we're going to talk about the future, or rather, futures. Futures? Let Tor explain. We're talking about the three Ps often when we explain it. There are the, the, the possible futures, there are the plausible futures, and then there are the preferred. We'll also be talking to Victoria from Georgia, who finds that German students seem to have a very different view of their future compared to Georgians. In Germany, when students choose the field, mostly they know exactly where they want to work and what they want to do in the future. Raj is from India. And in India, well, this is how Raj explains it. Uh, if a child is being born in an Indian family, is the, the child is either determined to be an engineer or a doctor. So that's how it is always, <laughs> that's how it's always been. We'll be hearing more from Raj later in the show to find out how far he's got in his engineering studies. We'll start with finding out more about Futures Studies is, or are, by talking to Tor Svanhorn Gustafsson of the Copenhagen Futures Studies Institute. And no, it's not about predicting the future, but about the possible, the preferred, and the absolutely plausible. So what are Futures Studies? We're often faced with a lot of uh, misinterpretations. Obviously, no one can predict the future. It's, it's not in any way about making uh, bold predictions about anything. But the, the point is that, that there's a structured and systematic approach. We're talking about the, the three Ps often when we explain it. There are the, the, the possible futures, there are the plausible futures, and then there are the preferred. So future studies is a combination of, of uh, methods uh, and approaches to exploring these three domains of the future and using those insights to look back at what we're doing in the present. You know, you're using the future to ask new questions about today and our surroundings, you know, the things we are making assumptions about. So it's a, it's a very interdisciplinary approach because obviously you can't look at, look at everything all at once, but the future consists of so many different intersectional parts that are crossing and affecting each other in different ways, right? Why, why is this important? Well, I think there's been a, especially in the corporate world, for many years, this future studies has actually been uh, somewhat integral in the way you do business, especially in larger corporations, because they know that there can be a very short lifespan. It's breaking out of path-dependent thinking and, and developing more mental flexibility in order to to build strong strategies and be resilient. Yeah. More recently, though, there's there's been a turn also in 
and looking at it at, at outside of business, understanding how we as a, as a society, how we as people need to to train our ability to understand the role of the future in what we see around us and in what we do, because it's actually out there. We're just not very, we're not very well aware of it. It's something we do all the time, but we know very little about really. So knowing how the future affects you today and how you anticipate it. So that's that's a, a major issue here. It's something you can train. And there's a growing sense that this is something that we need to cultivate, this sort of long-term thinking, not just for ourselves, but but to see and, and anticipate a development and change that are also you know good for for both society and, and planet in general. Thinking about the future is good for societies. But let's explore the personal level now. Let's be absolutely specific and find out what Victoria from Georgia told Mariam about her views of her future. Do you think that your parents have a strong and detailed version of how your future should be? I would say that my mother has a strong vision that my sister and I both should be working in the field that we're interested in. And she really doesn't mind if this field is business administration or handcrafting or something like that. The only vision she has about our future is that if we get this education, we should be working in this field. But the only thing that she really cares about is that we do and work in the company or the place where we enjoy working at. You mentioned that your mom has a clear vision on your future. Is there anything that you differentiate from her that you see your future, for example, clearly differently and uh, you have conflict about that with her? Well, we never had conflict about that because we both agree that the way we're studying should be reflected on our future. So we should be working somewhere, but that doesn't mean that necessarily we should be a top manager of a, a very, I don't know, a famous company. We both agree that we should be working in the field that we really desire in and in the company where the atmosphere is very kind and enjoyable, you know, supportive atmosphere. Yeah. You are currently studying in Germany uh, for your exchange semester. What differences do you see in people, how they shape and affect their future, how they plan it? I think that it's a bit different because in Germany, when students choose the field, mostly they know exactly where they want to work and what they want to do in the future. In Georgia, we choose the field. For example, when I chose business administration, I wasn't sure about the company that I want to work in, and I wasn't sure about the position that I want to have in that company. But in Germany, what I have noticed, mostly like the German students that I know, know exactly where they want, where they see themselves in the future. In Georgia, it's mostly like they have a vision, but it's not like concrete and exact, you know? In our next segment, we hear again from Tor in Copenhagen. Let's go absolutely educational and find out why future studies should be on the school timetable. We work with a, a, a definition of a, of a skill called futures literacy, which is also something that has been defined and, and developed by uh, UNESCO. A short version of it is that futures literacy is something that we should develop, something we should train. In order to be, you know, citizens of society, uh, being part of democracy and so on. This is like a 
you know, a muscle that we need we need to train in order to follow up with how the world is changing and, and accelerating uh, in reality. Um, so it's it's sort of to understand it as as a the basic foundation for understanding futures in plural because there are always more than one. It's not a destination or something that is uh, set in stone. What we work towards uh, is developing futures literacy as a as a competency as part of education looked out into the world and we saw that that there's a movement going on called teach the future teach the future is is a well it's, it's a global non-profit movement that that works to bring futures thinking futures literacy into the into the classroom mm-hmm. bringing it on the school you know the school curricula integrating it in existing teaching but also slowly developing it in a way that it could be compared to teaching history the way we understand that that subject or that class are we going to our parents going to see future studies on the timetable honestly and personally i i would love to see that happen one day but i'm i'm a bit biased i know i think the best way often the way i explain it especially when we is comparing it to history because technically speaking neither history you know the past or the future is something that exists we only have the present right so and when we teach history we're very dependent on on these curated narratives or stories built on traditions, historical artifacts, and, you know, the big movements throughout the civilized uh, world uh, and our history that we choose to bring on as something important for the following generations. These are, you know, highly curated. And um, the message is then that when we're talking about the future, we are equally as dependent on curated stories. Because right now, when we imagine or we picture the future, we often see a lot of the same images. This is something there's, like especially in academia, referred to as uh, the, the crisis of imagination. We simply have too few images of the future when we when we think about it, and it's often um, very technological. So it's skyscrapers of glass and you know flying cars and robots and and so on. It's um, it's a, a capitalism as the only way of growth. It is uh, billionaire boomers colonizing Mars and uh, and and so on. And and we often find it difficult to imagine the future, think about the future in a way that also looks at the softer parts of, of life. You know, looking at uh, the social structure structures, the fabric of of what it means to be alive. Right? What is our values, our norms, and how do we plan family, our family? What are our desires and dreams and stuff like that? So at least go, going back to the comparison with, with history, we need to sort of look at who who gets to write the stories about the future. Because throughout history, uh, it used to be those who sort of won, you know, the the ones who, uh, who made it through as either the superior or the oppressor. Who gets to write the past so who will who will do the same when we're talking about the future and often and obviously we believe that democratizing uh, futures thinking disseminating this way of working and understanding mm-hmm. how the future is actually evolving how what is the future in reality is to also involve and include more people in writing those stories about the future Tor's final point makes me want to run a competition to draw a vision of the future that doesn't include high-tech robots and flying cars. But maybe that's for the future. In the meantime, we'll hear from Raj from India about the role of parents in writing their children's future. 
Let's go absolutely predictable. So, as you know, parents often have like their hopes for children. Do you think that your parents have a strong and detailed vision of your future? Well, yes. Typically, for an Indian, I would say it's it's more like uh, if a child is being born in an Indian family, is the the child is either determined to be a engineer or a doctor. So that's how it is always. <laughs> that's how it's always been. So my parents did have a vision for me that I would have to probably carry his legacy, my dad's legacy of the engineer, but that's clearly not the case here. Uh, I am more into management. I would like to venture into the marketing and advertising agencies to, uh, and that's something of my interest. How would you say it is affected by your culture? Is it more common in India to go against your parents' like ideas of life? Or do they people usually follow the life that they've been set from from their parents? Mm, typically, I would say majority of the fa families would insist their children to like do what the the father does, like to carry his legacy forward. So is that's always how the culture has been. So the children wouldn't really be encouraged to think outside the box in the sense, like if the father is into accounts and the entire family, if for example, the generation would have to take up accountancy and child accountancy. If the father is an engineer, then they would expect the children, the child also to take up engineering or doctor, for example. But now, nowadays, I would say the trend is changing and the children are also encouraged to carry or pursue their own ambitions and dreams to becoming what they like to be. Do you think like your any visions of your personal future have changed since you came in Germany? Absolutely, for sure. I couldn't have cared about nature any less after I came to Germany because that's something I really, really liked about Germany because they are one with the nature. And in India, given the population that's there, things are not very oriented, I would say. So probably something that I've learned in Germany is the sustainable point of view that Germany strives forward to. I also had a project where we went to a farm and we met the farmers there. It's called Solar We. Uh, it's like a federation of farmers and we went and spoke with them and everybody to whom I spoke with said that you have to know your roots from where you're coming and uh, it's imperative that we grow vegetables and fruits in ethical and proper standards uh, so that the uh, future generation is healthy and uh, without food we wouldn't be able to do anything. We cannot eat money or something in our crisis, right? So something that I would take back is probably the sustainable uh, point of view and try to implement back in my country. And uh, also to develop uh, the concept of solar we wherein we can have a shared set of community and um, bring in people uh, to fund in and uh, and to grow vegetables for for the set, for the group of people. Now there's a clear example of the present influencing the future when Raj goes back to India and aims to promote sustainability. So who's writing the story about your future? You? Your parents? Society? Do you feel limited by the number of futures that are presented to you? Or do you, on the other hand, have too many possible futures and you need to start thinking about your preferred future? What pictures of the future do you have? Are they all high-tech? You can let us know on our blog at absolutely-intercultural.com where we have links from the organisations mentioned in the show. Thanks to Mariam for interviewing our two students in Germany. 
Catch us on Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a thumbs up on Facebook. And talking about predicting the future, it's very likely that the next show will be coming to you from me in Denmark on March the 1st, which by sheer coincidence is World Futures Day. Until then, stay tuned. Absolutely intercultural. Fullständig interkulturell. Absolut interkulturell. Absolutamente intercultural. Absolutely intercultural. Absolutely intercultural.